layoffs are never a good thing. If, if you've read my books, if you've heard the earlier podcast, layoffs are never a good thing. However, guess what? Sometimes there's no cash. Episode 234, Layoff Lunacy. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. With millions of listens and downloads and growing every episode, this is The Game Changers with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today best-selling author of eight books, on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, reinvention, the Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. Jason, great to be with you again. How are you holding up, sir? Uh, I am, uh, I'm absolutely doing great. And the one thing I want to begin by telling you is uh, our last podcast probably generated more email than any podcast uh, we have done. And and they continue. And when I say poor, I, I mean that literally. Uh, in fact, one just popped in a couple of minutes ago as we were setting, uh, getting set to go. So um, uh, so I, I'm I'm doing well. I'm uh, my day is divided uh, into working on the book, uh, making three to five calls a day on CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners uh, that I've done work for in the past or will be doing work for in the future. And then I got this idea about a week and a half ago. Uh, for those who are listening for the first time or aren't familiar with it, at the end of March, we were going to be having the Jason Jennings Certification Summit here in my hometown in Tiburon, California. And we had 60 people coming from around the world, 17 different countries. And over a period of three days, they were going to learn uh, every single, single single thing that I've learned in the research of 220,000 companies for the eight books. And uh, everybody was excited to do it. Obviously, it got postponed. And so about a week and a half ago, I decided, you know what? And, and the group's got a very active WhatsApp group. And uh, I thought, you know what I need to do? I didn't need to make an offer. So I, I went in and I typed a message and it said, if anybody wants to spend uh, some time with me in a call, I'm willing to do it. Uh, whoever raises their hand first goes first. And whoever raises their hand second goes second until I get them all done. So I think I'm going to be having 60 conversations uh, eventually over the next couple of weeks or several weeks. And I've had uh, probably 15. And Dale... Uh, I went into this trying to hold the group together, not expecting to get a lot for me, but the people are so bright and so accomplished in such varied backgrounds. Every call has become a discovery learning conversation for me. So it's, it's the book, it's the business calls to CEOs, which I guess you could call research as well. It's the conversations on Zoom with the summit attendees, and then it's exercise and, and some healthy food. So that's, that's pretty much my story. And what about you? Uh, you, 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 you said this week wore you down a little bit? Well, before we get there, I've got a few clarifying questions for you. So you said a lot of email from the last episode. Can you summarize the tone and tenor of those messages that you're getting? Uh, yeah, they're all short. Uh, and uh, the one that just popped in a couple of minutes ago uh, said, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you this when we were chatting the other day. The last podcast was the best uh, you and Dale have ever done. Love you guys. Wow. Yeah. So, okay, so uh, showing a lot of love, it generated a lot of uh, people appreciated it. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And uh, so, like I said, lots of emails. And then in talking with the people who were going to uh, go to the Jason Jennings Certification Summit, and I'm on that WhatsApp group and I watch it, it's it's a lot of fun to watch the conversations. Yes. What's the 
are there some consistent themes that you're hearing? Anything that's aha moment that really pops out that you can share with us? All right. Well, um, once in a while, you let the people listening or the people watching, you give them a peek behind the screen or a peek behind the stage. And so I'll give everybody a peek behind our stage. I guess it was seven or eight weeks ago, Dale and I had a conversation. And I said, Dale, I think we got to stop talking about leadership right now. Uh, it comes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And down at the bottom are food, clothing, shelter, and safety. And I think that people are so concerned about food, clothing, shelter, and safety that I, I don't think it makes sense for us to be teaching this leadership thing or that management thing or this leadership thing. I said, I think I want to keep them light, inspirational, full of lots of love, full of lots of hope. And uh, that's what we saw as our job. Now, in response to the question you just asked, what am I hearing the most about? Well, today, um, we're going to be talking about a business subject, uh, but I promise there's something for everybody to learn, and it's based on all the conversations I've been having. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And and, and so so that's where the subject comes from, all the conversations. Well, that sounds like a natural segue to get right into your topic today, which is layoff lunacy. Yeah. And in fact, I was talking, I had a conversation earlier today. And the reason I named it Layoff Lunacy is because you and I had referred to that, uh, to Layoff Lunacy in an episode we probably did, I don't know, 100 episodes ago, 150 episodes ago or something. And the guy said he uses that phrase all the time. So that's what motivated me to pick the subject. So um, I promise you, it won't be a downer and there is some learning. But I want to set it up with with a story. and And the story is this. I think when I was in college, if I'm not mistaken, I am working full-time in radio and television. I, I think I probably went to H&R Block. But, but if I'm not mistaken, by the time maybe I was 21 or 22, I had my first, I went to see a CPA to do my taxes. And he, and so if I was 21 or 22, he was old. He had to be 40, you know, age, ancient, right? And uh, so I was looking for some advice. And I said, uh, you went around for a while. What is the, uh, what's the most important advice that you could ever give me? And uh, he said, the most important advice that I give all of my clients is to have six months cash. Save enough money that you can cover yourself for six months. You could be in a serious accident. Something horrible could happen. The economy could go off the cliff. He said, if you've got six months, you're going to be tucked away. And so I'm, I'm somebody who follows the rules. I, I just went to work on doing that and just always did that. Uh, there was always six months because that was the rule that a CPA had given me. Well, about a month ago, I got a call from a large accounting firm who I'd done a speech for, and they wanted to talk to me about how to lay off people. <laughs> now, there's something interesting there. It, it, it's kind of like what's good for the goose should be good for the gander, right? I mean, if CPAs are telling people that, to have six months ready cash and, and uh, negotiable securities that you can readily access, uh, why don't they have enough money, I mean, to be able to take their business through six months? And, uh, and, 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 so, and, and it's not like we haven't been here before. What do you, what, let me ask you this. What, what do you know? You weren't born yet, and I think I was one. I think it was a baby. What do you know about uh, the great pandemic of 1957 and 58? I didn't say 1918. I said 1957 no. and 1958. What do you know about it? I know nothing about it. I hadn't even heard of it. All right. Well, guess what? The United States had half the population that it has now. All right. It had about 165 million people. And there was a pandemic in 1957 and 1958 that killed 127,000 people. Twice the number of lives that COVID-19 has claimed so far. 
And then under Jimmy Carter, we had hyperinflation and the economy tanked, a collapsed economy. Then we had the dot-com bust. Then we had the Great Recession. Now we've got the COVID-19 pandemic. The bottom line is, I don't think that most people learn from the past. They just plan as though everything is going to be hunky-dory going forward. So as I always say, man plans and God laughs. So of course, if companies were sufficiently prudent to have somewhere between four and six months of cash and cash reserves, we would not have seen what's happening in the worldwide economy uh, and and the mass layoffs taking place. And, And of course, the reason we don't, the reason that companies are not prudent with their cash and don't keep enough cash on hand, there's one reason. Uh, because they have basically ceded control of their firms to short-sighted, greedy, snot-nosed stock market analysts because if you were sitting on six months cash, and I'm sorry I'm off on a little bit of a rant here, because if a company was sitting on six months cash, the stock market analysts would say, it's not a good use of capital. Pay it out as a dividend. Give it to your shareholders. Use it to grow. And so I'm wondering, I'm really wondering a lot, if as we go forward, American businesses are going to be more prudent with their resources and more prepared to face things that they think we're never going to face. But of course, I mean, once a generation, I mean, something just like this happens. So that being said, layoffs are never a good thing. If if you've read my books, if you've heard the earlier podcast, layoffs are never a good thing. However, guess what? Sometimes there's no cash. There's, there's no cash in the piggy bank, and you're going to have to do it. But here, here are the harmful things about layoffs. Do you know, Dale, that after a layoff, survivors experienced a 20% decline in job performance across all industries? Companies that use a layoff suffered declines in profitability for a minimum of three years. Companies that use layoffs are twice as likely to go bankrupt than those who don't. They lose the investment they spend training people and all the institutional knowledge those people have. And then when they have to hire somebody else, they've got to begin that training all over again. And now on top of it, layoffs, take the numbers to the bank, inevitably lead to a 41% decline in employee engagement, 26% decline in commitment, and a 20% decline in job performance. So, but as I said, all that being said, sometimes uh, there's no money and you have to resort to layoffs. So now let me take you back to the conversations I've been having with people who are going to be at the summit. I'm going to tell you three stories, and I believe that everybody's story is their story to tell. So because I'm borrowing their story and telling three about three conversations I've had this week, I'm changing their names because I don't want to cause them any grief. So, uh, and, and I want to see, I want to get your reaction to the story. So there's a guy named James. All I'll tell you is this, he's in the food industry, uh, has somewhere between 500 and 1,000 employees, and very successfully runs this this huge plant. And uh, what happened is, as soon as the pandemic began, they, they lost about 25 to 30% of their business. So orders came down from headquarters, and it said, come up with your layoff plan. And so this is the layoff plan that James came up with. James said to himself, I don't want to lay off anybody because I know what grief it's going to be when we ramp back up. I don't want to do layoffs because morally and ethically, it is the wrong thing to do. 
So James and his leadership team came up with a plan. And basically what they were going to do is they were going to work everybody nine days on and five days off. By doing that, they would not have to have a layoff. And he planned on applying that to himself in terms of his compensation as well. Nine days on, five days off, no layoffs. So he takes it to headquarters or submits it to headquarters and they summarily rejected out of hand and said, no way, just pick a number and that's what you're going to lay off. We are not going to set this dangerous precedent. What's your reaction to that? A bit dumbfounded in that uh, you have creativity and innovation at work on figuring out a a really good way to move forward. Yes. And it won't even be considered. Right. Even be considered. Right. Right. And it was a plan with fairness for all. All right. Now, let me tell you about another conversation I had a couple of days ago. Heather. Heather is in the health business. And uh, it became obvious that they were going to have to have layoffs. Heather's very, very bright. And Heather ran the numbers. And she knew that at the top leaders in the organization, and I I believe her number was took a 20% pay cut, they would not have to have a layoff. And because, I mean, you know, because it's proven that what happens is if you don't have a layoff when you come back, you're better prepared and sprint far ahead of all of your competitors. So she so she runs the numbers. She takes the numbers. And I believe she told me there were about 16 or 18 people, you know, in this leadership counselor leadership meeting. And she said, well, let me present an alternative to layoffs. She said, if each of us would take a 20% cut, we wouldn't have to have layoffs. I mean, can we take a vote to see how you all feel about that? And she was the only one willing to give up 20% of her compensation. And as she said, and that's why we have such a toxic culture here. I mean, would you want to work for a company where the top leaders wouldn't agree to a 20% pay cut to keep everybody intact? I wouldn't. No, no, no. And then let me tell you about one other guy I talked to and I wish I could use the real names, but I can't. And his name is Brian and he's in an automotive related business. He was going to be at the summit because uh, his CEO uh, told me, I think uh, Brian has the potential to be a future CEO in the company. So uh, Brian runs a chain of these automotive related businesses in America's Midwest Uh, He's the equivalent of, I think they call it in some industries, a market manager where he oversees numerous locations. Well, because of the nature of their work, um, about 40% of their business evaporated overnight. Well, that that is not sustainable. And that is a time when you probably have to have layoffs. So, uh, he and his fellow leaders came up with a plan. They would not necessarily keep people who had been there the longest or the newest, uh, they they had to count on versatility. So they really had to keep the people who could provide two or three different functions because everybody was going to have to pivot. In total, he had to make 30 layoffs. Now, during my Zoom call with him, I'm looking at this very good-looking, all-American guy. 
you know he played football in high school and you know he was a star. You know that every girl wanted to be hanging on to his arm. You knew that all of his buddies worshipped and loved him. Just a man's man, just an incredible guy. And as he's talking about the layoffs, the guy starts to cry. And so I wanted to console him and I reached out and I said, well, how did you handle it? And he said something interesting. He said, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I've never had to lay anybody off for lack of work in my career ever. And uh, he said with moist eyes, he said, let me tell you something. He said, I'd go home. I'd be strong when the kids were still up. And then as soon as the kids went to bed, I was able to be vulnerable with my wife. And he said, if I didn't have her, I don't know if I could have done this. And I kept thinking to myself, how, how fortunate and what a blessing to have somebody in your life that that's, that is that powerful and you can be vulnerable with. And there's a lot of people who don't have that right now. So I said, well, so what's happening now? And this is the part that I loved. He said, well, first of all, I did it myself. I didn't tell a, a store manager to do it. I did them all myself. And he said, you know what this morning was before I talked to you? He said, I talked to all 30 every week. I have a telephone conversation with all 30 people I had to lay off every single week. And he said, I helped them out with issues of unemployment insurance. I helped them out with issues of COBRA and the health plan. I inquire as to their well-being. I'm giving them updates as to where we are. Now, if you had to be laid off, how would you like to be laid off by a boss like that? That's somebody who proves they truly have the best interest of the person at heart. You know, layoffs suck. Most companies should never have to do one. I mean, you know, piss poor planning, piss poor results. Quite frankly, I don't have any better words for that. I mean, we've been seeing this since 1957, 58.com crisis, the Great Recession. I mean, hyperinflation, the pandemic. Every five, six or seven years, some damn big thing is going to happen that upends the entire system. Why don't people get ready for it? Because if you truly believe that your people and your culture are your most precious asset, well, guess what? Put your money where your mouth is and say the hell with the stock market analysts and those people who say you're holding on to too much cash and be prepared to face the next big thing. I mean, if you truly believe, don't don't tell me the story of how important your people are and how important the culture is, uh, and then immediately, boom, let them go. Uh, that's the other thing this time. Uh, do you know the difference between uh, laid off and furloughed? Well, there, there is a slight difference between laugh and furloughed. But if you notice, nobody's using the word laugh anymore, simply because uh, furlough sounds so much better and not as nasty as layoffs. No, 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 no. We didn't have any layoffs here. We furloughed people as though it's nicer to furlough people than to lay people off. So anyway, I, I wanted to share those three stories with you. And um, so in the case of James, his company doesn't give a damn about their people. Whatever they say, they don't. He came up with a great plan. They wouldn't even listen. What Heather said, she said, that's why this is the most toxic company in the world to be in and why the culture is so toxic. She said, would not one other top leader was willing to give up 20% of their compensation to keep people intact. And then there's Brian, man, uh, I'll, I'll be in a foxhole with Brian any day of the week. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's helpful. I don't know if it's a rant. I don't know if it's random thoughts. Um, but uh, that's what people wanted to talk to me about 
uh, this past week. You think about the research and the data that you shared at the beginning, yep. HBR, Harvard Business Review, a 20% decline in job performance, uh, declines in profitability, 41% decline in employee engagement, 26% decline in commitment, and a 20% decline in job performance. So everybody who is left over after your layoff is going to be performing at least 20% below where they were before. Yeah. What does that net you? Yes. So, and, and it will take you three years, a minimum of three years to get back to the level of profitability that you were at. Because exactly. you, know, you know when this thing comes on. I mean, I love Dr. Anthony Fauci. I mean, he says this in every interview on every network that he's on. There is not going to be turning the light switch on and you go from dark to light. It's going to be a dimmer and, it, and it's going to be brightened very slowly. And then I think about uh, you and I were having a conversation the day that this hit the front page. It was below the fold, but it was the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And it was a small box and it had yep. the days of cash on hand for some really big brands. And I think it was Dollar General that had four days of cash. And that's basically when this started. That's when this started. That's right. Dollar General had four days of cash. I remember most of the numbers. Uh, Macy's, I think, had... Uh, 17, Nordstrom's had 27, uh, TJ Maxx had a surprisingly low number as much as I respect that company. And, uh, you know, I, I, I quite frankly think it's irresponsible to do that, given the fact that we have a rich history and tradition of about every five or six or seven years, the whole thing derails. So it's time to make the plan to start shoring up reserves if you haven't done it already. Yeah. And listen, uh, there's nothing wrong with having a good, strong balance sheet showing lots of current assets. Nothing wrong with that at all. Absolutely. Any thoughts, any final thoughts for us? Yeah. One of my heroes, Herb, the founder of Southwest Airlines. And I had to go looking for one. Uh, we wrote about Southwest in, in one of my books. It's a, it's a great story. But he himself, because other airlines, airlines used to regularly use layoffs and Southwest never had. And he said, nothing kills a culture like layoffs, adding, you're starting from ground zero when you do one of, one of those. And that's, what, that's where many companies are going to find themselves. They're going to find themselves starting all over again. Talk about a giant step backwards. Well, there are a host of CEOs, leaders, managers who really need to hear this podcast. So I'm going to use that as an opportunity for our longtime listeners. You you have a level of integrity that I've got a feeling this is no surprise. We're preaching to the choir with our longtime right. listeners, Jason. Right. Well, what this is yeah, what they ought to be doing is sharing with some people who uh, would benefit from the advice. And I want to leave everybody on an up note before you wrap up the show, <clears throat> and that is this. Um, the other part of the conversations that I've been having with CEOs, entrepreneurs, people who are going to be at the summit is we've just been talking about what do you think this thing is going to look like on the other side? Uh, will there be a new normal? What is a new normal uh, going to look like? And they've been fascinating conversations. And I think the next time what I want to do is I want to use some of the things I'm hearing from some of these people as a starting point. And I would just like you and I to have a conversation about what this thing might look like on the other side. The new normal. 
Uh, I don't even know if I'll call it a new normal. Uh, okay. But just what thing, because I, I, I don't know there will be a new normal. I, it's, I think it's, uh, I don't know there'll be a new normal. I think it's going to be an ever-changing and ever-adjusting uh, environment. So I can't, I don't even think we can call, I, I don't think we're going to reach this stable place and then just be there. I, I, I think it's going to take a long, long time. But uh, a lot of people had a lot of fascinating observations on, on what this entire thing might start looking like. And I, I think it'd be a great conversation. And I'll tell you what, why don't, why don't I do this? Why don't I put the challenge out there for everybody? If you have some thoughts and ideas about what things are going to look like uh, as a result of the pandemic, three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, uh, one of the things we know is this. Uh, we know that companies set entire workforces home to work from home. So this would be one example. And companies that measure employee engagement and customer satisfaction on a rolling, ongoing basis are discovering that they're as productive with an off-site workforce, their customer service satisfaction scores or client engagement scores are higher, and their employee engagement scores are higher. And many of those employees are going to make a big case, particularly the younger ones, of why do we have to come back? Why should we come back? And then what's going to happen to all those tens or hundreds of millions of square feet of office space that are very expensive? So those those are some of the things I'd like to wonder with you about in the next episode. And my email address is jason at jason-jennings.com. And I'd like ideas uh, from some of you listening, uh, some of your forecasts of what things are going to look like on the other side. Sorry for having interrupted. I'll let you wrap up the show. No, that's fantastic. So that uh, email address one more time, Jason at Jason-Jennings.com. Be sure to share this episode with the person who needs to hear it, even if they're not a longtime listener of the podcast. And it's easy to do. Go to your podcast listening app. Uh, If you would hit the uh, subscribe button, if you haven't done so already, so that you always have the most up-to-date episode right there in your app, that'd be fantastic. Also, rate and review the podcast while you're there. We would definitely appreciate it. It makes it easier for people to find this information as they're out searching when when a podcast has high ratings and reviews. Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today has called one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. You can uh, learn how your group or company can have Jason keynote your next event. Visit the website, jason-jennings.com. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.